Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 255 of the Spoiler Alert Podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. I'm Danny, and I'm here with Mike, and tonight we're discussing a confounding new romantic comedy, Longshot, starring Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron, and I think Andy Serkis? Yeah, he was Let's there. talk about it. Mike, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you doing, Danny? I'm doing very well. How often have we talked about romantic comedies? Ever? Not a lot. Not a lot, though we're going to hit it in our five questions. One of our listeners has asked specifically about some oh. romantic comedies. But, no, it's it's not... Uh, sort of a some, dead genre, right? I mean... We, we've hit some in our uh, best picture choosing machine, but not many. There there have been a few. Like it happened and, one night? I mean, I can't and, even think of many best pictures that we would classify as romantic comedies. And we haven't hit many others uh, that... Because, Usually we pick the movies that we see outside of the best pictures, so that's that's, well, that's not true. the ones we're we're leaping towards. I guess I most feel of the like time, it's right? kind of a dead genre. Like there haven't been a lot of great ones in a long time. They sort of had a, a terrific run, a great heyday from I don't know the early '90s to the early aughts, and then sure, yep, just sort of and a they dry pay spell. Um, and, and this movie pays homage to Pretty Woman, of course, one of the. The penultimate romantic comedies of that era. Before we get into the movie itself and you kick us off with a tight plot recap, can I just complain about the yes. seat I had in this theater? <laughs> so let me also say I saw this movie uh, midweek and the theater was jam-packed. I was oh, wow. blown away because I thought I'd be the only human paying to see this movie. No, no. I got one of the last seats and I was in the second row all the way on the end, and this is a theater that is retrofitted with the um, Dream Loungers. So this oh, is a theater yeah. that has okay. reclining leather seats. But they're really sort of like two-hander reclining love seats. So they're really meant for like a couple. And sure. of course, I was next to a stranger. So that's always a bit awkward. But I'm all the way on the end, and it feels like I am about four feet from the screen. But the screen is... 35 feet long. So the entire right. movie, I am at this awkward neck crick angle trying to take. I mean, thankfully, there's almost nothing to look at in this movie, but I cannot imagine paying out hard earned dollars to see any other movie in this seat. And there's a whole other row in front of me with even worse seats. Oh, Why do that's... they still have these <laughs> seats? I, I can't answer that for you. Didn't you and I see an Avengers movie in like the second row on the end that was absolutely yes. horrible one time? Yeah, yeah, you chose, you bought the seats and they were terrible. But we weren't even on, on the very end. We were still like, we were a few a few feet in. Yeah. So we were, yeah. we were a little closer, but God awful. I saw this movie today as a matinee and it was a theater that seated a couple hundred and there were eight of us in there. Ooh. So that it's it's such a weird movie going experience when you do that because yeah. like you and I have talked about this in the past. We love seeing a movie on the big screen. I think that's the way it's meant to be seen. You're yep. you're kind of critical of Roma and their their release strategy. I I totally get that. Well, I was critical but, of Roma for a number of reasons. A lot that of reasons. That was <laughs> one small one of aspect yeah. of it because the movie sucked. But go on, go on. But when you're watching a comedy and there's eight people in the room with you kind of chuckling at really funny moments and you can't share it with a large group of people guffawing at it. 
that's it almost makes it sort of sad, right? Like, I, I feel like had I seen it on a, a Friday night date night movie with a couple hundred people in the theater, it would have been hysterical. But then I like the you, idea that you think going to a movie on a Friday night by yourself to be surrounded <laughs> by other people on dates would be less sad I, than you just enjoying I, a relaxing theater going experience. Where you have a lot of leg room and I, I, no did, I, didn't, your I didn't mean going by myself. Yeah, that it just was, seems kind of awkward. That's that that's less sad for you. Uh, no, that's that's not not at all what I meant. But yeah, I, I, so clearly we had totally different movie going experiences yeah. to see this film, which was just released uh, last week, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. New release. It went up boldly. It went up against Avengers Endgame's second weekend, which. Avengers had the second best second weekend of all time. So should I get us into a quick plot recap here? So Longshot is the story of the Secretary of State of the United States, uh, Charlotte Field, who's played by Charlize Theron, who plans to run for president as the sitting president does not plan to run for re-election. The other main character, Fred Flarsky, played by Seth Rogen, is a journalist who just lost his job when a right-wing crap bag bought their left-wing paper. The two meet up by chance at a fundraiser that Fred's old friend brings him to, and they discover that they know each other, and in fact, Charlotte was Fred's teenage babysitter many years ago. Charlotte hires Fred as a speechwriter to the chagrin of her other staffers, but his writing contributes a lot to her campaign, which is based on environmental issues. The two begin a romantic relationship, and it becomes strained when Charlotte's political ambitions take precedence over her environmental activism, which was really the reason that Fred took the speechwriting job in the first place. And it soon results in an ugly scheme to smear her new love. Charlotte is forced to decide which of her principles are most important as she makes her run for the White House. And that's Longshot. What did you think of the movie? This was not a fantastic movie yet. As I was watching it, I kept thinking, I really wish that, as far as romantic comedies go, they've made more like this. I enjoy this kind of goofball, ridiculous romantic comedy genre. I think it reminded me a little bit of uh, Baby Mama with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey uh, several years ago. Just a... Just just a, a goofy, ridiculous uh, main character interaction, and I liked that about it. This is this is no Academy Award winner, but I had a lot of fun with it. How about you? What did, what did you think of this movie? You know, I I wanted to really like it, but ultimately I didn't. And the reason, I, even in my intro, I just said this was a confounding movie because I really feel like this is almost two different movies schmudged together on on the one Mm. hand it's a it's a heartfelt romantic comedy about a very smart hardworking, lovely woman who's trying to have it all who's who takes her job her her serious job as secretary of state very seriously has high ambitions and to do so she sort of needs to placate a couple of dumb white men sure to get this done but she's got a passion project that she thinks can improve the world and on the other hand it's a comedy full of like drug and jokes that the the largest plot point revolves around masturbation and semen landing on the face of a character. And 
I just don't. You don't think say you that can... every every week on this episode. No, that, and I don't think. You... Yeah, <laughs> I don't think you can reconcile those two. And these <laughs> these filmmakers didn't, and they try to push those two together, and it was just, it's two different movies, and maybe it's like they're trying to appeal, like, hey, this is a perfect date movie because, you, you know, one half of the relationship is going to get this heartfelt, funny, romantic comedy, and the other half is going to get <laughs> jokes. But I just don't think that's a good combination. Yeah. And so I, I really struggle. There's a great cast here, but they're all wasted. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair criticism. I think it does have a great cast. I mean, you've got you've got Academy Award winners in, in leading roles here. And you've got yeah. Bob Odenkirk, who's hilarious. You've got Lisa Kudrow, who's hilarious in yep. everything she's ever in. I mean, like... Like this was really a fantastic group of actors. Curtis and O'Shea Jackson, yes, was so good was in great. Straight Outta Compton yeah, every, a couple years ago. Yes, every time they show up on screen, I've got to laugh. Seth Rogen is obviously playing Seth Rogen Seth in Rogen. every yeah. movie that that he's ever in. In a weird way, I sort of feel like they had chemistry, but obviously, really didn't. But you know, you talked about the <laughs> jokes and the the kind of gross out comedy. Yes, that played a central plot point, but I feel like this was. To me, it was a step above movies that we've seen recently. Like, what was the romantic comedy that we we kind of liked with Amy Schumer and and Stefan from from Center Live? What's his name? We oh Trainwreck. Trainwreck. Like, I I liked this more than that. Like, oh, I, that's shocking to me. See, I liked Trainwreck much more. I felt like this was a little bit less gross out than that, despite the scene that obviously plays plays a central point in this i felt like this was a little bit elevated above even melissa mccarthy recent academy award nominee melissa mccarthy i felt like this was this is a romantic funny comedy above those it had every time it was about to kind of win me back over and just be a good movie it would take some very weird swerve into highly questionable and not just like low, you know, crass, kind of distasteful elements, because I can handle that. I like those types of movies. But it was so jarring. And, you know, the scene that we're talking about at the end, you know, the the president and Andy Serkis, who is just unrecognizable in a <laughs> four pounds of cake makeup, which makes no sense. Wait, does anybody recognize Andy Serkis anyway? Like, could, could exactly. you pick him out of it's a not lineup? like you've right. got, right, like Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and it's hilarious right. to sneak him into this movie. It's Andy Serkis. Who gives a <laughs> shit? But let's put him in like pounds of cake makeup so he's unrecognizable. But they they overtly blackmail Shalice Theron's Secretary of State with a video of Seth Rogen masturbating. Two videos of her. And I just think there's so many other things they could have done. Even if the screenwriter said we want them to blackmail her and it needs to be something embarrassing. You could have had Seth Rogen... Dancing in his tidy whities in his hotel room, pretending to kiss a pillow and, you know, whatever. Like there's a way that you could make kind of a humiliating moment. Right. That that he thinks he's alone and, and, and his webcam is recording him. But to, to just fall to this level, it was just so jarring. And it's a major plot point. It's, it's not like some quick throwaway gag that like you can kind of forgive it and you move on. The whole last 20% of the movie is about him masturbating and and having ejaculate on his face and then her deciding to throw away her career kind of and announce her presidential candidacy and sort of embrace the fact that her boyfriend 
whacked off to her. It just was like, what? Yeah. It's such a weird left it turn. Was, it's unforgivable in my my opinion. I, I didn't find it unforgivable. I agree with your criticism of that scene. And I found another similar plot point really disturbing too, which is the fact that they these two knew each other as teenagers when yep. she was his babysitter. And there was a major plot point about the fact that he had tried to kiss her and got an erection and it was visible to her boyfriend <laughs> right. at the moment. And I found that kind of disturbing too. I was like, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's really weird. Like, I mean, now we're, we're, we're making jokes about a, you know, 13 year old boy's erection and right. her, her acknowledgement of it and her boyfriend's disgust and, and, you know, humiliation of him as a result of it. I yeah. found that all a little bit odd and disturbing. Uh, completely. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. It just, it was really uncalled for. And the one other scene that this movie just really turned me off that it felt like we're going to be edgy and cool and funny. It's when the secretary of state and Seth Rogen's character decide to get high on Molly and like go to a rave and get it. Isn't it funny? They're both high. First of all, watching characters on movies be high and trying to pass it off as comedy is never funny. It's never funny to sit and watch people like stare at a wall or laugh at, because they see trails or something that we don't see. It's never funny. It never That's why works. Adam Sandler always did it legit. Like, he he was probably high in all of those movies. Well, but it just it's just not funny. And here, then we get the bonus scene of there's an international incident requiring the Secretary of State to come to her senses and negotiate yeah. the release of hostages. And yeah. the whole gag is like, get it? She's high. <laughs> get it? She's high off her mind. She's she's out of her gourd high. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And it just was so disgusting to me. Like, guys, this is literally life and death you're joking about here. This is this is global like war type politics you're you're thinking is supposed to be hilarious. And I'm just getting so turned off. And that's that's also the problem of of setting a romantic comedy where you're trying to do these screwball antics in like the high stakes game yeah. of of, of the of international Secretary politics. of State. Yeah, yeah right, it just, right. Just bad decisions yeah. from a screenwriter I, I don't want to get too political about it, but, like, I mean, you look at a scene like that and you think, well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty disgusted with what's going on today regardless, and this is just, this isn't funny. Like, this this does not play well. And, yeah, yeah I, I, I completely agree with that. I thought that the drug scene really fell flat and it was a long scene too i mean we're talking 10 to 15 minutes of this movie was her trying to recover in the sit room while high on molly and you and i have done our share of molly but like this would just we've done many episodes high on molly (laughs) for sure this this just did not play well yeah right yeah no and you know the other the other sin, and I'm sorry I'm just pooping all over this movie, which you enjoyed, but the other sin that I think this movie committed was you've got Seth Rogen playing a writer, and now they they very much position him as a left-wing, super liberal, Democrat, like, rabble-rouser, which I get. But as a writer, he comes in to write a speech for the Secretary of State, and he doesn't seem to understand that she can't say words like, but <laughs> In her speech. Like, really? Like, I would imagine that anyone over the age of 14 knows that that's not said in 
a speech by the Secretary of State on the on the world stage. So it just felt like and there's a there's a number of scenes like that where like she's paying him as a speechwriter and that's what he turns in. I mean, yeah. that's like the moment you're like, oh, this is not going to work out. Like you just you're just done. And yet the movie gives her a reason to be like, no, let's give him another shot and maybe tone it down a little bit. I just thought it was terrible. I think that that's a, a valid complaint and a frustration that I shared too. Like, why is she, as she's about to launch her presidential campaign, campaign really interested in having him as a speechwriter at all? Because, like, you can clearly tell that her her uh, acknowledgement that he was a uh, somebody she knew in a past life had no romantic interest whatsoever. Like this was right. like, like she, she doesn't think back to babysitting him as like, Oh God, he was so cute kind of thing. Right. And so why does she want him? Like she read a few articles online and I totally agree with you. Like he's, he's not her style. He's not her. Well, and see, he is her style in that in, in movie a, she is passionate she is she wants to change the world and this guy's a believer this guy's not going to sugarcoat it he puts it out there so i get that she responds to the fact that he doesn't kowtow to anybody that's great but in movie b he says but in a speech by the secretary of state right and so those two just don't go together no i just right but i hear you and and they had an – I would give – Charlize Theron, I, I thought, did a really good job in all of her scenes. In fact, she and Seth Rogen seem to have some form of chemistry, which is sort of odd to odd. even say yes. out loud. Yes. But but it was kind of believable, although him with that beard and – like I really thought at one point you know, he'd, he'd wear his tuxedo and he'd have shaved his beard and look a little more put together. But nope, it's still just Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen. squeezed into a <laughs> – Squeeze into the sausage casing of a tight tuxedo. It doesn't really work. No, no. I... For the record, in preparation of this episode, I did rewatch Mad Max Fury Road oh. when she plays uh, Imperator Fu- Furiosa. You, you prepped for this episode by she, watching She is so awesome in that movie. She is so awesome. Charlize Theron is a great actress, She's, and she can be she tough is. as nails. Atomic Blonde is fantastic. Like, I have liked a lot of what she's put out there the last couple of years. This just seems like a weird misstep. I okay. Think. All right. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? And what's what's up with the fact that when he gets the the opportunity, he's in Brooklyn. She sends a car for him to drive him to Washington D.C. How long and how awkward was that car ride? <laughs> That's a long. That's ride a long drive to right. D.C. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, what's up with the the woman who played Maggie? Was Vera Farmiga not available? Like that is that that is Vera Farmiga's like sister, right? The, whoever played well, that. Well, it's definitely like. Her type of role. I mean, I I think you're right. That must be like, well, this is the, like, they just, in the script, just call it Vera. And then when she was unavailable, they just got someone else. They got June Diane Raphael, who's, who's a comedian and she's very funny, but it did seem like they look a lot alike, right? Well, what's up with you? You have a movie in which a speechwriter is a major character and yet there's no like amazing speech in here. You know, it's like. If you're going to have like a comedy writer as a character, there better be some hilarious jokes at some point. Right. And there just never was. Like it just 
I kept waiting for like this moment where we'd all kind of get choked up and we'd get like patriotic surges of like that you go girl we the world can be changed and it just never came because these aren't good writers and they just wanted to hurry up and get to the jizz joke yeah yeah there was no yeah. sam seaborn here speaking right, right, spe- yes. speaking of the jizz joke what is up with them totally reusing a gag from there's something about mary like that was a that was a major plot point of a fairly brothers movie once right. upon a time and it was in the poster and everything else like i mean Everybody knew what happened, and there's something about Mary, and it totally happens here again. And they're, I, I mean, I just think that's a, that's a really weird niche thing to try and call as your own, and they kind of, you know, are using it as again a central plot point that I felt like we've seen this one before. That's weird that you would claim this. What's up with no one in the movie referencing? There's something about Mary, like. <laughs> At a minimum, you at least pay homage to the role, the the movie you're referencing by yes. someone saying, "It's just like out of she's." There's something <laughs> you, about you. Mary. Totally, something about married yourself. Yeah. Yes. Like, yes. yes exactly, that would be yes, at least yes. we'd all get a chuckle and say, "Okay, you owned <laughs> your your, uh, your copy um, <laughs> here." What's up with the fact that the, the he's calling her to leave uh, to to get a hold of her and and confess his undying love. And she doesn't want to talk to him because she's she's too upset about everything that's transpired. And she does the voicemail beep, and it works. <sighs> and he leaves, you know, a quote-unquote message that, that isn't a message. He's just talking to her. And, it, like, how does that the actually beep. play off? How does, the, she, how does the beep work? It's so catastrophically bad in the script and in the... Because she doesn't say, like, hi, you've reached so-and-so's phone. She just honestly says, beep... <laughs> And then he leaves a message and it's a heartfelt, like, it's again, another major plot point that you're like, what did he just, did he just leave a message after someone saying beep? (laughs) How dumb is this guy? Like, I mean, he's already supposed to be a doofus, but yeah, is he, you know, is he really, really slow? Like what's going on? This movie's like the lowest common denominator all over the place. You know, it sets the script in the world of politics and, and the secretary of state, but I feel like it's written by people who have no insight into how that world works. Does the secretary of state really just travel around the world for weeks at a time trying to sign up countries on some initiative that she puts together without any input from the president or the administration and has no other responsibilities seemingly day to day, except kind of walking around like a tourist and then at night giving speeches and trying to rally like why make her the secretary of state? Yeah. You could have made her a CEO. And, you know, like there's so many things if they just wanted her to be a high power, like a powerful, um, important woman with important ambitions, you could have done that. But to set it in this world that the screenwriters clearly know nothing about, it just seems like a misstep because right off the bat, I, I don't believe anything that's going on on screen. Yeah. No, Unlike I- let's say the American president, which was a great romantic comedy many years ago, set in the White House, and Aaron Sorkin has great dialogue, great fully fleshed out characters. A lot of wonky politics are smushed into that movie, right, about the the uh, environmental message yep. that Annette Benning's character is trying to to advance so there's a lot of parallels between that one and this one, and this one does not live up to that comparison, in my opinion. Also, I got to say, one thing I did like about this movie is 
Curtis O'Shea Jackson plays Seth Rogen's character's best friend. And he is great in every scene that he's in. But what I really liked in this movie is there's a scene where Seth Rogen is all mad at, at Charlize Theron's character because how dare she work with both Republicans and Democrats? How dare she try to to bring the country together and unify people and be a collaborator? And he just is like on this rant, this anti-Republican rant, and his best friend, his lifelong best friend has to admit that he's a Republican. <laughs> Right. And that he's a Christian. And Seth Rogen is like out of his mind that his best friend is both a Christian and a Republican. And and then he says, well, his friend says, well, I've worn this cross around my neck every day since I've met you. What did you think? And Seth Rogen says, I thought it was ethnic. You know, something <laughs> ethnic. And it's like, oh, you thought it was because I'm black. So in that one scene, Seth Rogen's high and mighty, super liberal, everyone's the best, everyone, I love everyone, realizes that he is a racist, total bigot against anyone who is Christian and Republican. And his best friend, whom he loves, is both of those things. And it's like, that was kind of refreshing to see the uber liberal kind of like a mirror held up of like, you can't say you're uber liberal and be <laughs> taken down a few you notches. Yeah. You know, like yeah, if I you're liberal, you just accept it, but no, <laughs> you're, you're not, you're kind of a jag just against the other side. You don't like that. They're a jag against you. So right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right, yeah. right. So that was kind of funny. And I thought again, O'Shea Jackson did an awesome job. He was, he was good. What's up with O'Shea Jackson Jr.'s character showing up at a bar asking for a beer and it appears oh. within half of a second. This is <laughs> right. this, like, I don't know. I've gone into bars where I'm the only person in there and the bartender just stares at me and doesn't give me a beer for two, three minutes. Like, they, right. I, I can't believe you can anywhere. Anybody can get service like that. Like, can I get a beer? First of all, first of all, he asked for a beer. What beer, beer. are they going to pour him? Like, what? Especially in Brooklyn. They'll be like, right. what kind? Do you want an IPA? Right. Do you want a wheat? Right. Do you want a wit? Do you want We've a got a list of 50 want, craft yeah. beers here. Yeah. yeah. Some from a brood right around the corner. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. But no. Yes. yes. Like, can I get a beer? There's a beer. Like, that was that was insane. The only way he got that beer that fast is we didn't see right off camera the bartender just grabbing the beer out of someone else's hand who's about to take a sip and just handing right. it right to him. Right. And him being fine with that. Like, he just gave <laughs> that guy's beer. He could. That's fine. The bartender could not have poured a beer fast enough to serve him right. a beer after he'd asked for it and had it Completely. Hand it to him. Completely. Yeah. Buddy, are you ready for five questions? Yeah, of course. All right. We've got five listener submitted questions. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners. Uh, we, we referenced this a little bit earlier. Would you rate this higher than any of the best picture-winning romantic comedies you've reviewed thus far, such as Annie Hall, Shakespeare in Love, or It Happened One Night? Um, well, you know I'm not a fan of really any of those movies, but no. no, I would not put it ahead of any of them. It Happened One Night was sort of maybe the first, at least the first, that was from the 30s, right? Yeah. I mean, that was got to be one of the first romantic comedies. Uh, Annie Hall kind of invented the current day genre and Shakespeare in Love, while I did not really enjoy it, I enjoyed it and I thought it was better made than this. So no, I would not okay. put this ahead of any of them. All right. Uh, question number two. Did it seem ridiculous to you that Fred, played by Seth Rogen, was portrayed as a stoner? <laughs> no, not a shock, not a stretch for <laughs> Mr. Rogen. <laughs> so it's kind of his, it's his, his niche. Jam. Yeah. 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 Uh, question number three. Is there another early 90s R&B act that you'd have preferred to see at the fundraiser live? 
No, but I really enjoyed seeing Boys to Men. They sounded great and they, they looked sounded really good. Great. Yes, you know, and it's one of those things of kind of a throwback. There's sort of a nostalgia act at this point, but they can bring it. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that the two characters were unabashed in their appreciation. They weren't <laughs> embarrassed. It's not like they they didn't like them ironically. They just were like, hey, they yes, loved them. Boys yeah. to Men. Yeah. Yes. So, like, yeah, I enjoyed that. Sort of like how I feel about garbage. Like, you know, I'm always going to love garbage. Yeah, I, of course. Yes, yeah. Bring it on, Shirley. Uh, next question. Shirley's Throne starred in Atomic Blonde, which co-starred Bill Skarsgård, Alexander's younger brother. Who the the 20 people who found this interesting on IMDb and where can I find them? I don't understand why somebody being someone else's brother would be interesting. <laughs> That's stupid. That's. But I will say that Atomic Blonde is tough as nails and it is a good movie with the exception of James McAvoy is also in it and he just sucks. Yeah, I really, I just... I, you and I really share our hatred of James McAvoy, which I'm... I'm and Michael Rappaport. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. All right, final question. Is Andy Serkis more attractive than Robert Redford in Endgame? Well, Robert Redford in Endgame looks really confused. Like, it's almost like elder abuse. You kind of worry that, like, they just kind of busted into his room, picked him up, put him put clothes on him. Like, they didn't even brush his hair. Like, he doesn't know where he is in Endgame. So that's just sad. Andy Serkis, like, they were like, this is going to be hilarious. We're hiring Andy Serkis. We're not going to have him motion cap. But we're going to make him fat. But we're going to just hide him under pounds of latex for no reason. No one knows who he is anyway. Get it? This Why is hilarious. Yeah. Why? Why would you do that? Why it just was that? the most, one of the most pointless. Like, there was a movie 30 years ago called Nothing But Trouble with uh, Chevy Chase and Demi Moore and Dan Aykroyd. And in that movie, Dan Aykroyd plays a character called the judge or something. And he is just unrecognizable under mounds of latex makeup. And it's perplexing if you ever go back and watch that. It's a terrible movie. But why would they do that? Yeah. Dan Aykroyd's a major star. Why would you hide him yeah. and make him so unrecognizable as to be nobody? It's the same here with Circus, except Circus is not even famous. You don't need to do this. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it was uh, pointless. Va valid point. So, pointless. yeah, ridiculous, In insane. So, uh, you loved this movie. Uh, loved any final it. thoughts? Best movie of the year. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> AFI's list top. <laughs> no, I just, I, I like, I kind of want better for everyone involved for this in this movie than what they got and what yeah. they did. And I just think half of this movie was totally a good movie, and the other half could have been a good stoner, dumbass drug and jizz movie. Could have been fine, but putting the two together just did not work for me, and I thought that was sort of a fatal flaw right from the get-go. All right. Well, I, th I think that's really fair. What do we got coming up next? Coming up next is Mike's most anticipated film of the year, <laughs> starring his pinup girl, Rhea Perlman. It's Palms. Why are we seeing that movie? I don't know, but find out next week. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. 
If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.